Hey guys, this is Jason Romano from Sports Spectrum. Our Get in the Game podcast with Scott Leinbrink is coming up in just a little bit. But want to tell you about a Father's Day promotion we have going right now with our Sports Spectrum magazine. It makes a great gift, especially this time of year for Father's Day. It's $18 for a one-year subscription, $30 for a two-year subscription. And if you're looking for a gift for your dad, for a father figure, an uncle, a brother, a Father's Day gift, Sports Spectrum's magazine is perfect. And here's the deal, though. You get a one-year or two-year subscription. You get a digital version and a print version of the magazine. You also get a free T-shirt if you order by Father's Day. So you subscribe to the magazine. You get it as a gift. Maybe you want to get it for yourself. We're going to throw in a free Sports Spectrum increased T-shirt for you. High-quality T-shirt, I might add. If you subscribe to the Sports Spectrum magazine, a one- or a two-year subscription, and you get a free T-shirt. On the T-shirt, it says the Bible verse, John 3.30. He must increase, we must decrease. You get that free shirt if you order Sports Spectrum's magazine before Father's Day, a one- or a two-year subscription, and you can do that right now at sportsspectrum.com. Just click the magazine icon, and you can subscribe right now. Sportspectrum.com. Get your free T-shirt, and don't wait. Do it before Father's Day. Sportspectrum.com. Hello. Welcome to Get in the Game Podcast with your host, Scott Langer, former MLB star and current water mission advocate. Oh, yeah, and he also happens to be our dad. So let's dive right in. We are here with the Get In The Game podcast. I'm Scott Leinbrink, your host, and I am uh, joyed to be surrounded here by Daniel Murphy, my good friend. Daniel, welcome. Ah, Scott, thank you for having me. It's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. We always have good conversations, and I look forward to this one. I look forward to all that will come out as we talk about what it means to serve others. Um, hearing some of your experiences in baseball, and I know there's going to be a lot of people excited about uh, kind of peeling back the layer of your uniform and seeing what's underneath. Hopefully, Jesus. There you but go. There's a lot of me, too. There's going to be a lot of me, too. So, Absolutely. We're going to touch on all of it. Uh, so those of you who may not know Daniel, uh, just as an intro, he is a three-time All-Star. He uh, played in a World Series with the Mets. And our careers actually overlapped. I believe I was mm-hmm. with the Braves and he was with the Mets. Yep. And so we, we towed it off a couple of times. But um, Daniel was a, uh, the LCS MVP in 2015. He also played with the Nationals, the Cubs, and the Rockies. And the one thing I remember about Daniel Murphy is that he could flat out hit. Like this was a guy that I did not want to face. I knew that he was always going to put a great at bat together. He was going to put the bat on the ball, and I just hope that he hit hit it right at somebody. But uh, well, <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that, Scott. Just one is that I've I've heard before that like, man, you were a tough out, and I think that I've I've kind of been able to to flesh it out a little bit. It's like I make I made a lot of contact, so I feel like pitchers when pitchers like would make good pitches and not get rewarded for it, it was like it it almost stood with you longer because i didn't hit like for power it wasn't like you left one in the middle and i was going to hit out the ballpark early in my career it's like okay he got a hit and it seemed like he kept fighting me for some reason you know what i mean and but that's what i feel like i figured out i would like 
fillet one and you're like, Man, that was a good pitch. How did he get a single on that? So I don't know well, if that makes sense. It does. It do. I appreciate that perspective. I would say, you know, and, and you've probably heard guys say this too. You were a guy that never gave up an at bat away. Like you were always going to take everything you could get out of that at bat. And whether or not you were, you know, got in a hole O2 or whether you're fouling off 13 pitches in a row, like you're always, as long as you have a pitch, you have a chance. And, and you were just one of those guys that I, I knew just, you know, there, there was no giving up. Uh, you were a grinder. And I appreciate well, that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, that, I mean, that's a choice. And it, it seemed hopefully I chose to engage the fire more oftentimes than I did. How about that? Absolutely. Well, you know, I think guys like you and me, I mean, that's the reason that you excel. That's that's the reason that you, you know, work through different levels is because you face a fair amount of adversity and you got to learn a lot about yourself and you have to adapt and adjust. And so um, you probably learned that at an early age and that carried with you well. I'll watch my father. My father was, my dad showed me what it looked like to go to work. It's like, this is what, never like said it, but it's like you watch you watch your father go every day to work lawn maintenance up at five o'clock and he comes back at five 30 and he's covered in grass and, and dirt. And it's like, Oh, all right. That's what a shift looks like. Okay. So, yeah. That's a great, that's a great example. Um, and I love what you talk about, about work. Um, and I want to get into that in this podcast too, a little bit later and just talk about, you know, your, your mental makeup, you know, how you view the things that you have and how you want to resource them well. So we're going to get into that. Um, let me go back to baseball because it's always fun to talk a little baseball and, and kind of get to know you and, and hear about, uh, you know, some of the, the experiences you had on the field. Uh, I'm thinking back to, and I remember two distinct streaks, and they came during, I know you, you were the, the 2015 LCS MVP, but I'm also remembering when you were with the Cubs and you were on an absolute tear. And I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you set the record for the most uh, consecutive games with a homer during the playoffs? Am I right on that? Yes. Okay. Yes, that was 2015. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, that was 2015. Okay. But you, you were also on a tear with the Cubs too. What year was that? So I played with the Cubs for two months and played okay. I swung the bat really well against the Cubs in that 2015 NLCAS Okay. Um, series. So, so, so we won that series in four games and I was able to hit a homer in each game. So maybe it was a tear against the Cubs. Maybe, maybe is what, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why I appreciated it so much because, uh, I had a, a distaste for the Cubs during my career. Uh, but, uh now we, it comes out. Okay. Now we're getting to it. Now we're getting to where we, we want to get to. Yeah. Maybe. I, I don't want to, you know, cast off any, any listeners that may be here, but I mean, everybody knows I played for the White Sox. So the Cubs were uh-huh. just a cross down rival. So listen, if you don't, you know, I really have to explain yourself why you don't like someone. <laughs> if you don't like them, you just don't like them. There you go. Uh, tell me about, so let's go back to that because I want to, I want to dive into your psyche a little bit. Um, as a player, like I remember a handful of times that I really got on a roll where, you know, you're just streaking where you feel like Mm -hmm. the game is easy. You go out there and I mean, it doesn't matter what you do. You're going to have good results. That's not often the way it happens. There's a lot of times where you're grinding. There's a lot of times where you're going through slumps. Um, but, but talk about that streak back in 2015, mm-hmm. what, what kind of things were going through your head? What were you telling yourselves? How did, how did you try to bottle that up? I mean, cause we all want to duplicate mm-hmm. that, whatever, you know, whenever we're hot like that. Right. 
no, I think um, well, one of the things that I look back at now is um, so my my wife Tori, she was she was pregnant with our second our second child, our daughter Quinn, um, and it was just me, her, and our son Noah, and like she was the greatest cheerleader. And then also because you you know you played in uh, like high leverage situations for an extended period of time, it takes something from you. You know what I mean? Like physiologically, like it, it costs something. And she would allow me to come home and kind of just throw up on her. Just like, hey, here's everything I experienced today. And we would just do that. And I would kind of be able to get it out. And then the first home run I think it hit was against Clayton Kershaw in game three in New York um, or game four and then Gringy. And so I think the first thing I thought was like, man, that was fun. You know what I mean? Two home runs back to back, like, you know, cool. That may never happen again. It's the postseason. We won the we won the NLDS against the the Dodgers in, in Game Five, and and then the Cubs series starts, and I'm facing John Lester, and I hit a homer on a not like a, I wouldn't say not a great swing, but it was a position. So I would explain it this way to you because you you'll get it. It's like you ever have a really good result, but you felt like you were a bit out of whack on the way there, but it ended up being a great result. Mm-hmm. So like he threw me a cutter that was kind of moving away from me a little bit, but ended up being just enough in the middle of the plate that I kind of felt like I was pulling away from it, but I ended up hitting the sucker out of the park. Like who to thunk it. Right. And so it was at that moment, I felt like I went from, cause you had, I had those doubts of like, is this thing, is this real? You know what I mean? Like, is it, is this all just a fake? Like when is, when is midnight going to strike mm-hmm. and I'm going to turn into a pumpkin? You know, those are the, those are the doubts I was having. I mean, as I'm telling you right now, like I can feel my nervous system kind of activating a little bit. And well, once I was able to get that swing off of John and kind of like put a really good swing uh, or a good, good result on a just okay swing, I was like, hey, I think I might be locked in kind of question mark ish as opposed to waiting to turn into a pumpkin, which was a unique feeling. And then the next night, I think I hit a homer off of Arietta, and then it was game three, and it was at this point where I was like, oh, oh, I'm locked in. I'm making good decisions, and when I make those decisions, I'm hitting the ball really hard. Like, that's – I don't know how long it's going to last, but that's the way I feel now. And that's the way games three and four went, which was awesome. We won the series, and then um, that, that love and feeling left in the World Series, but, you know, such is life, right? Um so, so these are actual conversations that you're having with yourself. Well, you ain't never had an internal dialogue before, Scott. <laughs> like, come on, I got all sorts of stuff going on in my coconut. Yeah, these are the conversations. I'm, I would so, have the same thought each spring training. I would be like, this is the year I get found out every year. Wow. Well, because you guys would come in throwing the ball at like 94 miles an hour in February. And I was like, I'll never hit that. Never again. Well, because... You know what I mean? You understand, like, things are moving so fast when you haven't done it for four months. And I'd be like, that's it. I've, I've lost it. I do. I, w- I would love for you to expand on that, too, because that's an important mm-hmm. point. I mean, you said something critical right there. Like, I, I was afraid I was going to get found out. Like, was yeah. there this idea hovering over you your whole career that, like, any moment it could come to an end? Yeah, I would say so. Like, like an end to, like, I think it was, like, I'm not worthy to do this type of thing. I don't think I'm good enough. So, but at the same time, it like it can be used, could it be used as a bit of a, of like, when, you know, don't, don't look at yourself that way. But also for me, it was what pulled me forward. If that makes sense. It was like, well, if you don't, you don't feel like you're necessarily worthy or 
as good as the rest of these guys. Well, you, you better get to work then because you're definitely going to get found out if you don't at least control the things you can control. That was my last thing my father said before I went on my adventure in minor league baseball and a, you know, a career that, you know, for us ended up spanning, what, 15 years? He's like, control the things you can control. I was like, the old man's sharp. Mm. The old man's sharp. Do you think that, um, you know, when you were talking about um, earlier, you know, saying, I think I'm locked in, you, you didn't want to come right out and say, boy, I'm, I'm hot. I mean, look at me. I mean, do you think that that was coming from a place of humility that you're kind of reminding yourself like, hey, stay humble. I mean, this game will get you. So let's not get let's not get out of our head, head out ahead of ourselves here. Well, yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair way to describe it. And as you were talking, I was thinking. All right, because I've been trying to think in terms of like people, you know what I mean? Like there's this is human beings like be humble for sure. And I thought, don't go thinking those guys that you're playing against don't know what they're doing type of thing. You know what I mean? It's like you're good right now, but they're good, too. And you have felt so, you know, like in the in the postseason, like senses are heightened. Like that's why the baseball's so good. Like everybody's locked in. It's why you're so exhausted after the ball game because you've been right there focused for like three hours and eight minutes on every pitch it's like it's wild and so my thought was not to talk myself out of feeling good i knew that i was making good decisions that's the way i think of um hitting if i'm making good decisions and 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 then hitting the ball hard on those decisions like that's all i can control and and from there but i didn't it wasn't like i was afraid to talk about how well i felt it was more like Respect who you're going to be competing against tonight because they're good. Maybe that's the way I would look at it or explain it. I'm just glad to know that these thoughts were going through your head because they certainly were going through mine too. As I'm thinking, I don't know if I have enough, you know, what it takes to get it past this guy. This guy's a really good hitter. Oh my goodness, look at this spot that I'm in. You know, I have to be perfect right here. Um, yeah, you're, you're constantly you know, kind of advocating pro and, and against and, and uh, you know, trying to talk yourself into feeling good about the situation. And, and sometimes it's just really hard to get there from a mental standpoint. I mean, how many times have you gone out there and compete? And Scott, and you know, like, I don't have it today. Well, okay, but you're still out here. It doesn't change the fact that you got to go. And so I feel like the beauty of of kind of your, I'd say any career or even any job as you get better at it is like you pick up what I would consider, I like to think of them as golf clubs. You know what I mean? Or you build this bookshelf. And it's like, well, each each book in that bookshelf is a library of experience, it's experience that you get to pull from. So it's like, well, the first time you get out on the mounds or in the box and you're like, I stink. And I'm almost certain that I've been bad for long enough that they know I stink too. So I'm in big trouble. Well, you still got to get somebody out or take the at bat. So the first time, you probably struggle through it. It's like, this is the unknown, and I'm going to do it badly. But you do it better the second time, and the third time you recognize it, and the fourth time. And now all of a sudden, it's like, I don't have it today. It's like, so what? Get on with it. You know, you can control whether or not you compete. That's up to you. Yeah, and that experience is so key to be able to to recall upon and know that, like, hey, I don't have to have my best stuff to get people out or to get it's a hit. great. And to get that experience, you have to, you know, we give up our bodies, you know, to a certain extent, our human capital. And from a baseball perspective, it's like, I got quote unquote smart, and then I got slow and old. And it's like, all right, that was a fun adventure. On to the next one. <laughs> That's why it's always better to be um, 
old age and treachery will always overcome youth and skill. Isn't that right? <laughs> treachery. What a word I like. Uh, I'm a, maybe cunning. There old you age go. And cunning. Maybe yeah. we could do that because it's like cunning isn't necessarily, uh, I would say, a negative. It's like, hey, just I've, the world, maybe the world has last older people more times because they've been around. It's like, well, you've got a better idea how to dodge the blows a little bit. Yeah, I, I believe we call this smoke and mirrors. And uh, you and I have <laughs> yeah. both got very good at, at throwing out some smoke and mirrors. Well, cool. Let me uh, let me go back to the the. You talked about coming home and having a family there, and you are a family man. You've got some kids of your own. Great family. I've gotten to know you, and Tori. Um, and I want to I want to dive into that a, a little bit. Talk about the challenges mm-hmm. of of raising a family in the midst of the baseball lifestyle. What did you learn through that? Um, my wife's the rock star. Like full stop. Like it's. To take a look back at the at our at, a, at our career, I was able to kind of do that the, this this last year in Colorado because I was alone and Tori stayed in Jacksonville with the children. So it was like, you know, Jesus and I kind of went inward a little bit, and it's like I started looking back, and then I got to my wife. You know, as I looked back, and I was like, man, every day she was there and she posted. You know what I mean? She was there every day with the kids. She gave me what I needed when I needed a popping on the nose. She gave me that when I needed grace and comfort. She gave me that. And it's like. I, I kind of was like, son, if you don't think that you that this all transpired because of like her willingness to sacrifice for this family and for you, you just need to you need to wise up a little bit. Don't go don't go thinking this all happened because of you. You know what I mean? Solely. And so that was you know my take. Just kind of as I looked back on Tori, I was like, just a true blessing. And she made it so easy on me as I look back now to. She made it easy to love for me to be in a position to kind of play and enjoy our children. Very seamless. Like she would let me sleep till 1030 every day, even when we had kids. She's like, like that, that, that's a woman that understands. Like, I know what you do is difficult. I'm going to give you, you know, some time to catch up. But then also at the same time, when you come down, you know, be present with the children as much as you can be. Because, well, I don't know about you, but I always, at, at the I always had at least half an eye on the baseball game that night. Probably always at least half an eyeball. You know, there was always that pull towards it. And so she would make it as easy as it could be for me, for our family to to to, to have community together, you know, to enjoy each other's company. Um, and so that's, that's, I mean, I think the challenges are we move three times a year. Um, you know, a little bit tougher to kind of put roots down when you're in spring training for, you know, six to eight weeks and then the season for six months and then back home. It's, so you got, you have baseball chapel community, you have your home church community, and then you have, you know, spring training chapel with minor leaguers and big league guys. And so that may be, it's the roots probably are more difficult to send deeper, but you still find them. Like we find our relationships. Like Tori's got some from the girls in the, the Mets. I have some with the guys I play with. I know you do too. So it's, you know, I guess it's, yeah, it's more mobile. I love what you talked about on how she sacrificed and how she did so much for you. And I'm sure that that, uh, that was obvious to you. And I'm sure that that motivated you then to sacrifice back for her and the family. Is that right? Yeah. I think that we kind of, we get in this, this kind of cycle of like, you know, Tori serves all of us and is, is so patient. And then, and then that would feed me to kind of like 
feed into me to want to go to work. Like she, she was so intentional about it. She would send me text messages like every now and then, especially not towards the end, but she's really good. Like her intuition is great. And then she would send me text messages like, Hey, you're, you're a great husband and dad. You, you're doing a great job providing for us. So I'll let you know how awesome you're doing. And I'd be like, what? And like, yeah, run through fire for you. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like that. She, she, and she, she was intentional. I like that about learning what it was that spoke to me. You know what I mean? And then it's kind of like, all right, there's another side to that is like, okay she's willing to sacrifice like that for you why don't you look inside how much how much love do you do you have for her or a willingness to do the same you know what i mean and it'd be like yes other times no it's like okay you need to look and in, look inward and be like why so it was but it was i don't know i said this before it was ours it was it was a, it was our career like good bad in between it was it was ours yeah. there's something about that 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 I really, that just really resonates with me. I love the way you said all of that. Um, I learned that early on from a guy that I heard say, we got traded. And I'm thinking, we? Like, who who else got I didn't know that was a, a multiplayer deal. And he's like, no, me and my wife. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because she's got to go with you, right? I mean, she, she doesn't have an option to stay, so. <laughs> and, and it takes a strong woman to, to build that house. Well, Hang those curtains, yeah, I, put food in. <laughs> no, so I was thinking, um, I mean, it's funny you mentioned that because I think Tori, so Tori and, 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 and Molly, David Wright's wife, and, and um, Dylan G's wife, Carrie Ann, but anyway, Marlon Bird had gotten traded, I think it was like 2013. And uh, forget Marlon's wife's name now, and I hate that I do, but you know, all the girls were kind of texting us, and it was like, oh, um, you know, they got traded, and they were using Marlon's wife's name. And, and David and we were kind of, kind of like, well, yeah marlon got traded but they just their 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 the relationship they had was with marlon's wife and so it's like oh they you know i forget her name now it kills the story so we'll we'll move on but it's just kind of to connect to like you know we're getting traded that's the way the girls looked at it it's like oh we're losing one of our we're losing one of our girls yeah yeah and that's i mean baseball is such a tight-knit community you spend so much time with these guys with their wives with their girlfriends like i mean you get together sometimes um if, if you can still stand each other on your off day uh yeah, to we do, do life together exactly you're doing life together and there's there's so much to that 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 maybe people don't see beyond the field that there's there's so much investment you use that term earlier human capital um, and, and I, I totally agree with that because we invested so much. It wasn't just the workouts and the training and then the execution, the competition. I mean, everything, your, your emotions, you know, your relationships, all of those are tied up in the game and it's a full investment. If you're mm-hmm. really going to be a good teammate and a good player. Yeah, I agree. I th- the thing is I li- I, that I like about how you explain it is I think it, 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 it goes across other other jobs or careers. It's not just baseball. So like mm-hmm. everyone else, like it's like, okay, it, you know, it's baseball and you're on TV, but like everyone who's going to work is like trying to figure out how do I, how do I balance being, you know, the husband I believe that I'm capable of being and the father that I believe I'm capable of, like the best version of myself with, okay, providing for my family and what's the cost there and how am I going to manage my time? It's like, well, we're, like, we're all doing that and we're all, I think just kind of hopefully like just struggling uphill with it. And hopefully like in baseball and other communities, you like, you can find some people who are willing to come along with you. 
You know what I mean? And sometimes you scoop them up. Sometimes they scoop you up. And we just, what, pick up your cross and follow me. Mm. We just bear that sucker uphill. Mm. You, you've uh, had a lot of great uh, alluding to sacrifice in the family uh, perspective, in the context of faith that you just talked about right there. I know faith is is a, a key, integral part of who you are as a man. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to know the Lord, um, how maybe some of these lessons in, in sacrifice and family have, have strengthened your faith? Yeah, I think that one of the first things, I mean, I, 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 I surrendered my life uh, to Jesus you know, because of his continual pursuit of me, uh, unworthy as I am for it. And I basically, what ended up happening is I got everything I thought I wanted out of life at like 20 I think seven years old, like major league player and all these things and like tasted empty, hollow. And I was like, kind of looked, I was like, well, you knew that you grew, I grew up in church. I knew that that's what I was pursuing wasn't going to give me life, but well, until you pursue it and get it, you know, you don't know it's not going to do it kind of. And it's like, I, graciously, Jesus, like, here you go. It's everything you thought you wanted. He was like, is it enough? I was like, no, that's not it. And so, you know, he graciously brought me into his embrace. Um, and then Tori, my wife, a couple months later, and we got engaged like directly after that. And it's just like he interwove this this story for us. And, and when I think back of it, like I think of God's like his faithfulness, which is like it's something that I, I take not pause on because I don't not that I don't think God is faithful. It's just that when you're going through stuff, it's freaking hard. So it's not. Like I, when I say God is like, like faithful, I, I know he's faithful, but it's not that I want to go out and find out the, the, the kind of what the atrocities the world can have in order to see his faithfulness. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? It's like, can we be, can you be faithful to me, but not turn the fire up too hot, mm-hmm. so to speak, you know, because well, when the fire's hot, the fire's hot. Mm-hmm. But then that's only when the dross comes out. So you get in this like mm. this situation is like, I only get purified if you turn the heat up. Hmm. But when you turn the heat up, I get burned. Like, all right. Oof. Okay. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. know if that makes sense. It does make sense. And I think, you know, all of us would say we're creatures of comfort. And so, yeah, we, we would prefer to stay far enough away from the fire that we don't get burned. And, and nobody likes being in the midst of a, a storm or a trial. But you're absolutely right. I mean, that's the only time that that we can really have faith building moments and and strengthen ourselves. And and uh, looking back on it, you know, I think a lot of people would say, whatever the the trial or the suffering was, they wouldn't replace it for anything because it was the very thing that allowed them to move closer to God. Yeah, and I don't. I believe it. I've lived it. It's just. I mean, I say it with pause. Like, fire's hot, Scott. Mm-hmm. Todd, you know, <laughs> I know I live in Texas. Yeah. Well, I mean, so it's, man, it is. He is. So God is, he's just been, he's been supremely faithful. Uh, yeah. You know, he's, I'm what, you know, he just, he's been faithful. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move into stewardship a little bit. Um, you, you talked about faith. You've talked about your career. Um, God blessed you with an incredible long career. Um, and with that came a lot of um, blessings too. And you and Tori have been very faithful about stewarding what God's given you. Um, 
how do you view what you have and what do you believe God wants you to do with it? I mean, the way I view what we have is you just kind of like, are you kidding me? Like, that's the way I view it. Like it's what that's, I mean, what other way is there to explain the abundance of wealth that we've been blessed with? Like, it's just, are you kidding me? Like it's, one like two generations removed from you know my grandfather worked i think he was a general electric he was in a union it was like a working class you know what i mean and my other grandfather you know kind of similar working class like because of the sacrifices of, of them and you know my parents and tori's parents and just like a lot of really good fortune you know maybe you call it grace and blessings you know what i mean but like things outside of our control how about that i'm like well and then as far as what do we do with it, I don't try to hold it like water. Mm. Maybe like I don't. I'm thinking more moral, like like compass. You know what I mean? Something that it's like you know this is this is God's. Because as much as I, so how about this? It's easier for me to think I'm holding it like water because there's so much of it. Mm. You know what I mean? That's a question right there, like that I have to ask myself. And I do ask myself sometimes. I'm like, okay, do you not do? You, are you think you're being a good steward because there's so much and you don't you feel like you couldn't outspend it type of thing? It's like, is that stewardship? It's like, well, I don't know. Start digging. So if I'm hearing you right, you're you're saying that the the water you want to allow the water to move freely through your hands. You don't want to hold on to it tightly because you know that that God continues to pour that that water if you allow it to to move through your hands and not not set into to you and 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 you're not you're not clutching it is that right yeah well i would yeah i would say well, it's all god's do i think do i do i believe that, that that he is in control do i believe that he gave it to me okay like who's who's calling the shots here okay so i can grip it as tight as i want but it's his so if i know it's his i might as well try to start acting like it as much as i can hmm. If that makes sense, that's probably the way I'm thinking. Like, let my actions is try to manifest what I believe to be true, or how about this: what I know to be true. It's all God's. Like, if He wanted His money, do you don't think He could come and get? He would come and get it for me. Like, we're talking about fire. Like, maybe that's an area where I need to be purified. Mm -hmm. I kind of hope not, Scott, but it could be. I don't call the shots here. God does. You and I both have a, a financial advisor that we know well that advises us. And uh, Don Christensen often says, and I think he actually stole this from Billy Graham, I want to say, that mm -hmm. your your checkbook is a testament to who and what you serve. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's, that is, I believe that to be true also, um, that, you know, you are going to give to things that, that you believe in. And you're not going to just give for the sake of getting rid of money. Um, but you're, you're going to give to things that you really believe in. And it's that act of giving that then shows what you truly believe. Do, do you believe what you say? Yeah. Well, you set up a value system. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. is that, and we, would we spend our, we spend our money according to the value system that we set up for it? I guess I don't, that, may, that, that I'm asking a question as much as I'm making a statement. I'm kind of bouncing that off of you. It yeah, sounds well, crazy or not. Let, let me ask you, have, have, is that something that your family has done, create a value system? I think that we probably haven't verbalized it in those terms. That's something I've just heard kind of, you know, in my own sort of 
you know, search for knowledge, you know, setting up a value system, you know, you're going to, you're going to aim at things you value and it's mm -hmm. easier to hit what you aim at. So you might as well put a face on the value system you have, but mm -hmm. I would, so we, we've had conversations, but not necessarily in that exact dialogue with me and, and Tori. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say we try to, yes, like she has the prom series that she started and, and, and we were able to, by God's grace, fully fund that. So she, she can, she has an idea. Um, she's really creative. It's wild. Like she's so creative and it's really interesting to see Scott because like, I'm not creative at all. I could do the same thing every day. I wouldn't bat an eye about it. I eat the same food, same thing. And she comes flying in here with the prom series and you know, all these ideas for how she can just connect with foster care girls that are in foster care, you know, middle age, middle school age and high school. And that's one of the value systems we've placed kind of, I would say, at the very top, because when she has an idea, I say, run, you know what I mean? Go do it. You know what I mean? And she goes flying out of there right? and she pulls it off. It's great. That's awesome. I did not realize that she was a part of that. Um, but I know that you guys are involved in a lot of other things too. And I would love for you to, to maybe expand on, you mentioned the prom series. Mm -hmm. What are some, what are some other things that uh, missions and ministries that align with what you and Tori want to promote as a family? So that, uh, so the prom series, foster care girls, we, um, we partnered with Exodus road um, and Matt and Laura Parker um which is you know to combat um sex trafficking um and so they've kind of domestically but started in southeast asia and he's spoken at pao before matt that's where i met matt parker and so that that relationship went for our family went beyond um pao and then water mission we've just partnered um with you guys and it's been it's been interesting like i've i've, I've i haven't gotten into is deep into water mission. I had some of the other ones, but it's been, it's been cool to kind of get a more global view with some of the calls that we, the call that you allowed me to be on and listening to you and, and just the updates. So, so that's been interesting because like, well, it's water and you would think there's such an abundance of it. Like, well, how about this? In the West, we treat water as, as just another commodity that we can get any time. And yet this significant portion of the world does it. And it's like, What's up with that? How does that work? How can there be such an abundance in one place and, and, and not in another? It's like, okay. And you guys are like, well, we can figure out the, the inner workings of why we got here, but like these people need water. So we're going to go try to give them water. Mm -hmm. Hey, I like it. Hey, can you answer that question? I, I would love to hear your answer to that. Why, why does God um, allow a disparity on one side of the world versus another? Why is the, the U.S. the richest country in the history of the world and yet we have people making a dollar a day struggling. Mm. What, 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 what um, would be your answer to that? So there's this, there's this, this thing that's called, I don't know if you ever heard of called the Pareto distribution. Um, it's like prices law, I think Pareto distribution, but it appears that anytime that there is a surplus of something, at least scientifically, if there's a surplus of something, you have inequality. Okay. So like wealth, we have a surplus of wealth. And it's like, well, Elon Musk and Bezos have like like 170 billion times two kind of each of them. And it's like, well, whether you think that's right or wrong, it doesn't change the fact that it is. Okay, so we'll just work from there. It is. Well, it seems that whenever there's a surplus of something, there becomes inequality. You know what I mean? So what do you, 
what do you do? Do you eliminate the surplus? I don't, well, I don't know if that's the answer because, well, I wouldn't want less water, you know? And so we got to figure out a way to try to, you know, just equitably get water to people who don't have it because we have it. And so that's what, you know, I feel like you guys are trying to do. So that, that would be my rough estimation, you know, maybe it has something to do the, the, with the Pareto distribution. Hmm. That's very interesting. And so, so you take that as a, a call, um, a, a responsibility, so to speak, by the fact that you have engaged with a lot of these organizations and, and helped them to, uh, to fix that inequality or, or balance that. Well, yeah, I, so I look, at it, I look at it this way is that, so if I'm unwilling to be benevolent with my surplus, someone else is going to have to be. And if no one does it, and I feel like that's when you see like, like someone's going to need to step into that space. And we have, I have, a, we have been blessed with a surplus and that's of wealth. And it's like, okay, you have a surplus of wealth. If you hoard it, you're first, I think you're kind of, you're just portraying yourself. Cause it's not like, it's not mine. You know what I mean? Like you've been I mean, given this to, it's not to say not enjoy it. It's like, hopefully I can approach it or, you know, with, with an idea of like, take the surplus you've been blessed with and give it a, and pass it out mm-hmm. so that not everyone has to, people don't stack up at, at zero water. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. You don't, zero water is no good. Mm-hmm. That's where people die. Like, I think we should like, that's where people die. Zero water. Okay. We got to get above zero water. And when you give, how does that make you feel? So when I give financially, like with our money, um, I, I would use it in terms of not like hurt, but like that's much easier for me. Like, so I would rather give you money than go on this Peru trip with you. Okay. Like, it's not that I don't like you. It's just, I like to give, I don't, I, I hold on to my time very dearly. Hmm. You know what I mean? Where Tori is very, very gracious with her time, a bit more prudent when we have discussions about finances, which is like really cool when you look at it because God's like, hey, we got two kind of half people here. Together, the two of you will make one competent adult for your children. Go have some fun. (laughs) So Tori would be the one to go into the Amazon on a mission trip. Well, she doesn't love leaving, you know, you don't about leaving the US necessarily yet. That'll but she would she would be more willing to 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 serve with her time. Yes. She like well the problem series is like she, you know, it's taken a lot of time. Like her human capital has been time as much as it kind of has, you know, it's needed some some funding, but it's been a lot of time that she's devoted. Yeah, I, I appreciate you kind of uh, delineating that, that the the investments, when we talk about giving, it's not just financial. Their time is a commodity that we all have a limited amount of. Um, and there's no way to create more time. We can create more wealth. We can't create more time. God's given us a finite amount of time. We don't even know how much that is. Could be another day. Could be 10 years. Could be 50 years. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's certainly something that he calls us to give freely of and and I think, you know, you probably heard time, talent, and treasure. Uh, so talent yeah. as well. You know, God, God gives us all different talents and abilities, and he expects us to use those as well. So um, what? tell me this. Now that you're retired from baseball, um, you've obviously got a lot more talent to give, not just the ability to, to barrel a baseball, um, but you're a, 
a very interesting thinker. Um, you let me know before this show started that you're uh, doing your own show. Uh, but what are some some ways that you want to use your talents beyond the game of baseball? Hmm. I feel like right now I'm kind of in an accrual phase right now. So I'm 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 back on college campus taking a couple classes, which have been very very enjoyable. Um, one, it's been interesting to really realize that I just did not pay attention at all 15 years ago in college, like not even a little bit. I'm actually in almost the same exact class in the same campus I was 15 years ago. And I'm like, you couldn't be a more different human being there. Like, and so like I was there at Jackson University in two, 15 years ago to hit baseballs. That was exclusively like, that was my goal. But now I'm getting to read, you know, Plato and, and Augustine and, and Kierkegaard and philosophy class and go through the history of, of the United States. And, you know, it's provocative human history because what well, you know, we human people are, are capable of the, of the absolute, you know, altruistic benevolent, you know, um, things and malevolence as well too. So when you go and look at it through history, like it's just opened up an, a, a world to me that I didn't know existed, Scott. It's wild. Mm -hmm. I didn't know you're allowed to think critically. Um, I just haven't I haven't tried to organize my thoughts maybe ever other other than outside the task kind of at hand, which is like we organize our thoughts to problem solve in baseball. Like that was what, what I did. But now there's no baseball and it's like I still want to problem solve. So I get it from the golf course. I think I think I'm able to feed a bit of my industriousness from the golf course because I like to do the same thing over and over again. And then the 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 classes and the students and kind of the engagement allows me to well, even something like this, like I'm asking as many questions, I feel like when I make a quote unquote statement, it's like I'm, I'm trying to read your face and your reaction and be like, all right, am I, am I completely off the mark? Because, you know, Scott's reputable. He'd let me know if I was completely off the mark. And so, yeah, when you talk, you think. So, Absolutely. Well, I, I appreciate your opinions and thoughts. I love these conversations. Um, I think this is doing a lot for, you know, really getting back into what is the heart of of service. Um, and what does it mean to serve and what does it mean to get beyond ourselves? And I think that's something that's so important, especially in this day and age where it seems like there's more and more focus on the individual instead of the community. But how can we turn our focus away from ourselves and back out to our community and the rest of the world and understand that, that there's a place for us here. And it's not just for us to, to build a bigger house or, you know, box ourselves in create a, a safety net, but there's, there's a calling to go out and do. Mm -hmm. I was wondering as much too, as with the, cause I, I wonder if we could get maybe a bit nuanced, as you said, the individual in the community. It's like, I think there's a, there's a level of looking at the individual or yourself in a, in a, in a selfish sort of way. Like you're, you know, you're just, you're just worried. You're just concerned about how things affect you. You know, but then is there also the individual? It's like, you've got a spark of the divine in you, okay? And then each person you come in contact with has that as well, too. So I was wondering this, and I was telling Tori this last night. It's like, so we're created in the image of God, right? Mm -hmm. So does, so God is is reflecting what some of his character through each individual person. Well, that means each individual person I come in contact with, I'm getting to see a different character of God. Like come in contact with a ton of people. That might change the way I view my interactions if I were maybe try to look at the world that way. Absolutely. I had a, a mentor that once told me, he said, what if you were the only Jesus somebody sees today or this week or this month or in their life? 
what would they see? Well, it's not like he's not in, it's not like he's not in there. That's right? right. It's not like we're not carrying him around. And even you can say for those who don't believe that Jesus is Savior, you're still made in the image of God. You still mm-hmm. got a spark of the divine in you. You know what I mean? Amen. You got value, tons of it. So like much that. that Jesus said that God died for you. That's how much you got. Amen. Everyone. I, I love that term, spark of the divine. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna coin that phrase and and use it again. I'm certain I've stolen it from somebody. So <laughs> it's all yours. Well, thank you, Daniel. It's been really great talking to you. I really appreciate you sharing your heart with us um, and motivating others to to get back in the game. Well, thank you, Scott. I, I really appreciate the the talk. Honestly, I learned a lot, um, and also like the the freedom to. To, to muddy through the waters, you know? Like, thank you. Amen. Well, it's been great talking to you. And uh, for everybody else out there listening, thanks for listening. It's been Get In The Game Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Get In The Game Podcast with Scott Weinbrink, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. You can connect with Scott and follow him on Twitter at Scott Weinbrink. We want to invite you to subscribe to the other shows on our network. Our flagship show, Sports Spectrum, Table 40 with Matt and Leslie Holiday, and Recalibrated with Mallory Brown. We'd also love for you to check out our Sports Spectrum magazine, full of great stories and content covering the intersection of sports and faith. You can subscribe at sportsspectrum.com. It's $18 for an entire year subscription. Again, the website to subscribe is sportsspectrum.com. Thanks so much for listening.